to the Beerly Hockey Podcast. Podcast presented by Beerly Sports. I'm your host, Bill Razor, and I am once again joined by the aweless Aaron Kinney and the normative Nate McBride. Folks, we are down to two previews left. The season starts in less than a week. We are excited to bring you the Central Division preview. But before we get to that, Aaron, we'll start with you this time, because I believe we started with Nate last time. How are we doing, buddy, on this Wednesday evening, and what are we drinking? Well, on this Wednesday evening, boys, I am very tired. I've been doing accounting homework all day, and that shit's finally over. I'm so glad to be out here breaking down the Central Division. Some would say the worst division in hockey. I'm going to say the most interesting division in hockey, maybe, but we'll see. Um... Anyway, I'm drinking an Oberon American Wheat Ale from Bell's. So, just having a little sip back here, and I got some coffee on the side burner here, too. There you go. Nothing like mixing beer with coffee. Nate, how are we doing on this Wednesday night, my friend, and what are we drinking? Oh, buddy, we're doing good. Just, you know, slaving away during the work week, watching a little football on the side, and then taking these couple midweek days to think about hockey and chat with you guys and the listeners. So glad to have you aboard. Uh, Tonight we're mixing, going a little of the hard stuff with the light stuff. So hard stuff from a local distillery, High Bank. We're going with their Whiskey War. Also for the beer, going local, staying true with the cold beer. Brew dog, shit is Brewdog, good. Cold beer. I'm sticking with cold beer all the way through these preseason, you know, kind of division previews that we're doing. Love it, I love it. It's a it's a great choice, boys. I'm going with something tried and true this evening. We've all had it. We all love it. <sighs> Little Yingling Lager. Love Classic. it. I used to call it Yinzer Fuel and never drank it when I lived in Columbus because Penguins fans would invade Nationwide and gas gas it exclusively. So I went on a personal strike from it for a while. And then I had it again, and I was like, you know what? Maybe not everything about those fans is wrong because it's a pretty damn good beer. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I never noticed that. Uh, are they big Yangling chuggers over there? It. I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't want to hear this because they don't consider themselves East Coast. I kind of consider them Midwest, but they don't like to be that either. They're like their own thing, kind of like Buffalo, New York. They're the dirty uh, bottom of the Appalachians. It, it, it's a, Yingling is an East Coast beer. It's been in Pennsylvania forever. I actually drank my first Yingling when I was in Hilton Head. Uh, I will not uh, disclose what age I was when I had my first Yingling, but I was in Hilton Head, South Carolina, because it's been very popular on the East Coast, up and down for a long time, but very popular in the state of Pennsylvania. And, uh, yeah, so the Yinzers have been drinking it forever. Probably as long as they've been around. Good to know. Fun fun party exactly. trivia there with the Yingling. There you go. It's an, it's an East Coast beer. So, um, boys, let's hop into this, shall we, as we uh, sip our brews and ultimately disagree with where we have each other's predictions going. Um, we'll start with the team that finished third in the NHL last year, but according to Gary Bettman, they finished dead last. And that third is to last. Sh- third to last, not third. No, I was joking. No, I meant sorry, third to last. Yeah, I meant yeah. to Gary and sorry, I was building up to what I said Gary I get Bettman. You. I get you. Made, you know, insisted they finished dead last. And that is the Chicago Blackhawks. And 
They finished last year with 59 points, which was uh, dead last in the Central and 30th of 32 in the NHL. Their additions, uh, a bunch of names you've heard of. Taylor Hall, former Hart Trophy winner. Nick Foligno, former Bill Masterson Trophy winner and captain. Ryan Donato, solid defenseman. And uh, another former Hart winner, Corey Perry. Ryan Donato's uh, the, a winger there, boy. What did I say, defenseman? Yeah. I was looking at the names below and I switched uh, it up. Dumbass. <laughs> dumbass. Fuck me. Yeah, he's going to be on probably on their first line with the one that everybody really wants to hear about. Let's be totally honest. We're all here for a little Connor Bedard. Uh, the talk of the town, really all anybody cares about. I mean, they're bringing in former NHL captains, you know, to help teach this guy how to be a pro. They have two former heart winners in there, two very different styles too. Taylor Hall, obviously, uh, last couple of years been playing on the third line in Boston, but, you know, typically a first liner in his career with New Jersey and Edmonton, number one overall pick. Uh, also a reason they probably brought him in. And then Nick Foligno, who's just been incredible everywhere he's been, beloved by every teammate, the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets, spent some time with Toronto uh, after leaving Columbus. People forget he started with Ottawa, but went to Toronto and he's been in Boston as well. Um, you know, they brought in a lot of veteran leadership to kind of teach Connor Bedard how to become a pro. But this team is going to go as Connor Bedard goes. And I think we can all kind of agree with that. I I think this team is going to go in the opposite direction of how Connor Bedard goes, honestly. I think he's going straight up and everybody else is going straight down, sad to say. He's he's going to be out there. It's going to be McDavid in his rookie year, man. He's just going to be ripping it up and the the house is going to be on fire around him. It's it's going to be a long year in Chicago. Uh, but He'll have good. He has, he has good facilitators there with him and Taylor Hall and Ryan Donato so long as they can stay healthy. And honestly, keep up with the kid. Um, but he is going to torch a lot as well. Like, yeah. it, it is going to be a lot of a one-man show. Um, yeah, very similar to what McDavid had his rookie season. Yeah, I think that line's going to be fun to watch. And I, I expect the uh, the right wing there to kind of rotate throughout the year as well. Ryan Donato's mm-hmm. always been kind of a middle six tweener guy. Um, obviously, he's better than anything else they have on the right side on this team, but... I, I expect to see some lineup shifting here and get get Connor some reps with some different players. Just see if anybody sticks with him with him and Taylor Hall up there. I mean that those two are really your offense in a nutshell. Lucas Reichel's not bad either. He's there. He's going to be second line. Athanasiu's got a little bit of burst of speed off the rush, but outside of that, man, it's it's the Connor Bedard show all day long. Hundred percent. I could see uh, Taylor Radish ending up on that first line with him. Yeah, I, mean, I could see that. Me. He had 37 points last year. I mean, Taylor Radish is a solid player. Um, that's just my opinion. They'll they'll fluctuate. Damn, um, how bad I is it bigger... when you're like, 37 points? Yeah, that's top-line quality. <laughs> that's, you know, that's... That just speaks to how barren the Chicago roster is. Oh, yeah, I mean, they have five new five new of their top 12. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, how it, how, it, how it rolls in Chicago right now. Uh, they know what they are. They know what they're doing in terms of, you know, what they're going for. Let's say we don't we don't know if they know what they're doing, but we certainly know what they're aiming for. Um, my follow up question is obviously a lot of guys brought in, you know, he's Bedard's going to live with whatever teammate they deem, you know, a, a Felino, a Taylor Hall, a guy like that. He's going to live with a teammate all year. 
They'll show them the robes, put them under their arm, Corey Perry, whomever. Um, very God, don't put that kid with Corey Perry. Oh, well, very contrasting styles there, but, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to deny the success that all three of those gentlemen have had uh, in the National Hockey League. That being said, though, looking at this team, how many of these guys are even there by Christmas, let alone by the trade deadline? Uh, Christmas, I think, yes. Trade deadline, you may see some guys flip. I I think the, the guys that, like, Nick Foligno and Corey Perry, for example, they didn't bring those guys in to flip as much as they did, like, we got to meet the cap floor. Let's get them on a couple-year deal. Get them in. Just, uh, and I'm not even saying, like, they're going to be there to show Connor Bedard how to play hockey, obviously. He's already so much better than either of them could imagine. But it's, like, it just the, the ins and outs and the grind of an 82-game NHL season. I think it's good to have those veteran guys in the room with young talents like that. Um, uh, some people make it out to be the be all end all. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I, I really do think it's, it's important to have veterans who have reputations for being good teammates and, you know, just being workmen, like doing things the right way, approaching practice and taking care of yourself and, you know, not letting yourself get too sucked into a down season too, because that that's going to be a big thing for Bedard. I think like he's, He's a confident kid. He's very flashy. He, he's kind of humble, too, which is, like, that's hard to say for a lot of guys that have the talent and the pedigree that he has. But I, I could see somebody like him getting a little bit down and frustrated through a season like this where you're not winning very many games. And I think some of that veteran presence is going to be good to kind of even him out. Like, hey, you know, it's it's not a be-all, end-all every single game or every single loss. Like, uh, the season, you just got to take it in stride, stay even keel, all that good stuff. Honestly, I don't even see a lot on their roster that, like, they... I mean, there's a lot that they could flip, but, like, unless somebody's really, like, impressing during the year, you know, I don't really see... Yeah. Like, I mean, you you, you signed Taylor Hall till 2025. You're not going to flip him. Yeah. You're not... I mean, you're, I mean, maybe a Tyler Johnson, like, but, I mean, the thing that's is... for... A, like, sorry, Nate. Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to cut. You. No, I was just. I was. I'm just. I'm looking at. I'm looking at like the deals. I like maybe you flip a Tyler Johnson. Maybe an Anath Anathisiu. Um, like other than that, like you're not gonna. You're not gonna go out and flip Lucas Reichel. You're not. I yeah. mean, you brought in Corey Perry, Nick Foligno for a reason. Jason Dickinson, like guys like Jason Dickinson, Cole Gutman, Boris Katchuk, like. Those are guys like maybe you'll flip if they're having a hot season and like somebody's interested. But other than that, yeah, you've got a lot, and, and they've got a lot of draft capital anyway. Mm -hmm. I I see a guy like Athanasiu is the number one guy. I would think like if he just puts up stupid offensive numbers, which like for him would be you know 50, 60 points. That's a good depth addition to like the third line of a team on an okay cap hit. But guys like Tyler Johnson, they just took him on to eat cap for Tampa. Uh, Nick Foligno and Corey Perry, they overpaid to get them there. So, like, teams aren't going to want to handle that. Jason Dickinson, I could see he's, like, just a nice utility bottom sixer. But they're not going to be getting any big kind of cap draft capital return in these trades. It's just it, this team is just a placeholder to get to the cap floor until your prospect pool starts to develop. Yeah, it's 100% true. And you're looking at who came off the books with them you know no longer is caleb jones employed by them 
Alex Stalock, Jahar Kyra. Did I say that right? I think so. Jujar. Is it Jujar? Okay. There that's you go. how that's how the broadcast says it, but they bot they botch names quite often too, so <laughs> put as much faith in that as you will. Totally fair. Uh Anders Bjork and Anton Qdobin. I know we're gonna have a Qdobin segment here at the end there from you, Aaron, but uh the big one obviously for them, Jonathan Taze. Uh not with the team now, probably won't sign with the team this year, may never play in the NHL again. And if he doesn't, certified Hall of Famer, uh definitely statue worthy. Him and Patty Kane on a statue together would be pretty cool uh, outside the United Center for sure. Um, obviously, Connor Bedard is filling in for Taze, and he will probably put up better numbers than Jonathan Taze ever could have dreamed of putting up. But uh, still a massive loss. Their captain's gone. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is an entirely new look Chicago Blackhawk team that uh, I don't think anybody has much expectations for. We all have Bedard as the X Factor, correct? Does anybody have any other thoughts on the X Factor there? I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's a given. Excellent. And then uh, we all have him finishing eighth. Uh, yeah. No. Oh. Oh. No, no, I do not. Uh, I have this team finishing seventh. Oh, I cannot wait to get down this list and hear who you got below him, Nate. I'm excited. I'm actually, I was actually kind of setting that one up, Aaron, because I had them finishing seventh too. No way. <laughs> you guys yeah, are down I, on somebody. I can't wait to hear who it is. Oh, uh, we are. And I know one of the main talking points we want to talk about tonight is, uh, you know, we want to talk about like bringing all those guys in to kind of help out. I think the only guy that truly helps Connor Bedard on the ice is Taylor Hall. Oh, on I the ice, 100%. Yeah, on the ice. Off the ice, I think Nick Foligno is probably the the pinnacle of what they want. They want him living in Foligno's basement, getting fed by Foligno's wife for his meals to make sure he's eating right, and uh, watching film and just, you know, kicking back with Foligno's kids and watching a movie instead of running out, you know, running around like a madman all over Chicago. Well, um, have you I heard that... Connor Bedard? Like, speaking of eating right real quick, have you heard about his mom's interview? No. She said he's never had a junk food. She his his mom has been just the junk food Nazi for this kid his entire life apparently. Dude, it she, sounds like Todd Marinovich. Don't know. He's Todd gonna have Marinovich McDonald's. Is. He's gonna have McDonald's one time and he's just gonna die. Maybe. He's in Chicago. I mean, let's be honest though. He's in Chicago. He's gonna yeah. eat some of the best goddamn Italian food the world has to offer. Dude, he's going to be crushing some giant fucking hot dogs with pickles and shit on him is what he's going to be doing. He's going to be Steaks, launching the sodium steak. through the roof on this kid. There's a there's a really good burger place that I watch an episode of Anthony Bourdain. I, I can't remember the name, so I'm not going to butcher it. But it's like fifth-generation-owned Greek guys. And it's like where everybody in Chicago goes to get their burgers. And he asks, like, who's the most famous person that's been here? And they're like, uh, President Obama? And he's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So... That's that's the kind of place, you know, it's like, you got to go have a cheeseburger, man. Come yeah. on. You got to enjoy life a little bit. But, yeah, um, I was just saying, like, on the ice, Taylor Hall is the only game that he really compares to in terms of, like, Taylor Hall has been there, done that in terms of had success in the league. Uh, not from a winning a cup standpoint, but from an overall personal success standpoint, that's who I think Bedard will learn the most from on the ice. Not because just because he's going to be paired with him, but also because, you know, 
that's a guy that's put up large amounts of points, played on teams with multiple, you know, studs on the team. And, you know, if Hall's there through 25, him and Bedard are going to have to be copacetic for at least two years. I would also say, I, I like that you bring that up, Phil. I think even from an off-the-ice standpoint, like the mental grind of being the only good player on a team, when Taylor Hall was originally drafted to Edmonton, man, I mean, that was a dog shit roster. He's been in this yeah. situation where, like, the pressure of the franchise's success is on you and you're not getting help from anybody else. So I think that's mm -hmm. that's kind of a cool guy he can relate to a little bit in the position that he's in. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. So I think we've touched enough on uh, the team that we think is going to be towards the bottom uh, of what I will say, by the way, uh, Aaron, you alluded to this earlier on. Uh, I do think this is the worst division in hockey. Come at me at PostgreatPhil on Twitter. I think the Central Division is by far the worst division in hockey. It has some great teams, but I think it is the weakest of every every division, especially after this offseason. So the gap that's between my the opinion. haves and the haves not is very large. Pretty much, guys. Let's hop down to a team that real quick, real quick, Phil. Sorry, I didn't mean to oh. cut you off, but. I just wanted to give a little shout-out here to Anton Hudobin. Uh, you mentioned him in the subtractions. Homie is going back to the KHL. Uh, he's done in the NHL. He, he's up there in age. But this guy has been just the quintessential soldier, like the model backup goalie for so many teams. And he got a moment of glory in Dallas, leading him through the uh, bubble to the cup final, put up some really nice numbers there. And obviously we've all seen the viral video after a big win like we're not fucking going home like but with his russian mannerisms throughout the whole thing it's just really really happy for that guy he's going home and he's going to be uh enjoying himself playing in the khl now yeah tax-free money baby oh yeah that beautiful bags of money that he gets he's not russian i don't think if i'm not mistaken uh when i say going home i mean like eastern europe it's, I no, I, I know. I, I think I he's from like think... a smaller country, but no, I don't know. I I believe he might be from Kazakhstan, and I'm looking it up. Oh, he is from Kazakhstan. Please be from Kazakhstan. Yes, he is from Kazakhstan. Let's go. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. He's got to be the only Kazakhstani player in NHL history. We'll look that up. Or yeah. any listener that can confirm that he's the only one, we'll work with the guys over. Uh, the main guys with Beerly, uh, maybe we'll send you a t-shirt out of that if you can let us know if that is true. So just a little fun one there. And while you're at it, make sure you go follow us on Twitter, at Beerly Hockey. Go follow at Beerly Sports on Instagram. Check out the merch store. We have plenty of good stuff in there. And I'm sure one of the three of us will say something absolutely egregious on the podcast here that gets thrown on a t-shirt. That will probably happen. Yeah, throwing those Z Zimbabwe's up there, Aaron. Um, <laughs> but definitely go give us a follow, give us a five-star review on your listening platform of your choice. And, uh, like I said, if you can figure out if Kudobin is the only Kazakhstani player in NHL history, that would be a fun fact. So let's hop down boys to a team that, uh, well, let's be honest. They uh, probably should have tried to finish in the bottom three last year. Won a few too many games and, uh, definitely got some backlash from it, but they have some fun talent, and there's one player that we're all really looking forward to watching, and that is the Arizona Coyotes. They finished last year, 70 points, 7th in the Central, 27th overall in the National Hockey League. Uh, they added Matt Dumba. It's an interesting one. Sean Dursey. That's a really good one. Jason Zucker. Nick Bukestad is back. Alex Kerfoot. 
Troy Stetcher, Travis Dermott, and Zach Sanford. We'll talk about a few of these guys individually, but the big story here has to be Logan Cooley, Aaron. Logan Cooley, man. I cannot wait to watch this kid play. Uh, everybody thought, and he had even said himself, he wanted to go back to Minnesota for another run at a natty last year. And uh, lo and behold, the front office of Arizona, I am so, so impressed with, with what they've done to help rebuild this team that feels like it's always rebuilding. They've actually got some stud talent now, and they've actually convinced one of them to leave a powerhouse college program early to come up here in the NHL. And I, watching him play with Clayton Keller, I cannot wait to see what that's like. Uh, he was a big feature for me in one of the preseason articles I wrote earlier. It Just like, how high is this kid's ceiling this season? What can he do for this team? They haven't had like a real star, like number one center, which we're not sure if he's that yet. But if you look at what he's done so far through training camp, the preseason, even like uh, the moves he made in college, I, I'm really, really excited to see what this kid has in store for us this year. And I think he's a, a big-time, big-time underrated Calder. Uh, it, he's not the favorite, obviously, Bedard is, but I think you can find some really nice value on him for the Calder right now. Yeah, absolutely throw a big bet on him uh, You know, to bring home the Calder, because why he's not? He's got Things so that... much more to work with than Bedard does. Yeah, no, he absolutely does. And he, he was a Hobie Baker finalist. Uh, obviously lost it out to Adam Fantilli. What up? Um, but, you know, as a freshman was right there, having, you know, stupid amount of points a game, lost a national championship with Minnesota. So, you know, uh, Logan Cooley was one that we didn't think we'd probably see till 2024. So I think it'll be a treat for all hockey fans. Ironically, though, he goes, goes from playing in a, uh, he has an arena downsized, going to play with the Coyotes. But I'm sure there's enough pink Winnie there to make up for it, Nate. Yeah, I mean, you're rocking with Biz. You're in a party atmosphere. It's Scottsdale. Like, it's a good time. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it's not bad. And you're getting out of Minnesota, which is an exact, you know, I mean, polar opposites, you know, climate-wise. So, hey, good for you, kid. Um, again, I just, I, I mean, you you got to question the motivation of this team wanting to go out and play in a fucking college arena. Like this, it's you got to be like, I mean, you got to be at some point be like, this is a this is a joke, right? Like, why am I like, why are we doing this, dude? If there's something's deadbeat, fucking owner would pay his bills. They wouldn't be doing it. They had a nice <laughs> arena, but he, he doesn't. But uh, yeah. it woulda, shoulda, coulda, but he doesn't. So yeah. that's the thing. Like, and he and he sits there and he says, "City of Scottsdale, build me a new one. City of Tempe, build me a new." Yeah, no, dude, be a fucking baby, pal. Whatever. Like, honestly, I don't understand why this guy doesn't have to sell his team. I don't. I I don't know who their ownership group is, but. Uh, fucking get really or low. if it's a group or a guy or whatever it's, yeah it's uh i i want to say it's alexander murillo but don't quote me on that last name's murillo he uh one of the writers for the athletic actually did a real deep dive into his shady shenanigans his first season with the team not only did they not pay their bills on time and get evicted from gila arena he was like jipping the pizza delivery guys like it every single accounts receivable they had on their books was like past due and it was just so that they could negotiate the price down when the bill collectors came like it's how this guy got good at got enough money in his account to buy an nhl team is beyond me because he's a deadbeat shady motherfucker just based on the operations that he's done here with this team it's crazy and these guys don't want to be playing here 
But honestly, it's fucking working for him, man. 25 wins last season at home. I mean, their home record was insane. 25-15 and or sorry, 21-15 and 5. They were great on home ice. So uh, there were players that quoted that's like the best ice in the league apparently, the just the sheet itself. Uh, apparently the smaller building they can control the humidity better or something, but it's they've had a lot of success at home, but it hasn't translated to the road at all. Uh, they That just tanked their season. That's why they finished so low. Yeah. No, I mean, that that makes sense. Um, guys, we do have listener questions, and I'm trying to keep them pertinent uh, based on the teams we're talking about. Uh, I do want to shout out Willed It For Food, at Willed It For Food, asked about can Bedard be a difference maker? I think we covered that uh, plenty. Um, we'll get to your questions later. He sent multiple questions, and we appreciate that. We appreciate the listeners. Uh, Mateo at Minnesota Wild Talk at MN Wild Talk on. I'm still saying Twitter X, whatever. I don't. It's Twitter. Shit. Don't call it X. Don't cave to that baby. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Logan Logan Cooley. Nate, we'll start with you. Plus minus sixty five points this year. Uh, minus. Okay. You're, Minus, you're, you're thinking... I, 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 I think he'll be close to that number, but I, I, I'm still going to go with the minus on that. Um, I think it takes him a little bit of time to adjust to the game. Um, you know, the speed, the size that he's going to be out there against now. So, um, yeah, but he'll, you know, he'll get into a groove. I say, I say after, you know, after the, in 2024, 2024, you know, part of the season is where he'll, you know, kind of catch a groove. I'd say this, these first three months may be a little bumpy to start. He's sure. he'll, have some, he'll have some points, but it'll be a little bumpy. Yeah, I I like that date, but not for the same reasons. I uh, I think that line is actually perfect for him, honestly. I, I'm inclined to say he's going to just go over. I see him between 65 and 70. I think he comes out of the gate hot, though. I think he rips it up for the first, like, three, four months of the season. And it, then it gets to the point where it's like he the college seasons are like 40 games or less. It, he has not played 82 games every other night in his life, really. So you you get him most of the way through the season, depending on how the Coyotes are doing. I mean, they were they were a fun offensive team last year, but I I think uh, they're they're going to be looking to try to win more than just go out there and like see progress. So. I can see him. So you think you think he's going to Matty Beneers it a little bit, you know, start out hot and then kind of cool down as the season progresses. Yeah, yeah I think we see yeah. that with a lot of young players from the NCAA. It's just like once you get past that 50-60 game mark, it's your body's just not used to doing this that much in one year. So I can see him tailing off, and we're going to see other teams start to key on him a little bit. It's not like the Coyotes have like an elite second line. So he's going to be munching up all the top D pairings in the yeah. Western Conference. Right, right. I mean, you're yeah. From what we're seeing, like you're going to put him on a line with Zucker and Dylan Genther. Um, I mean, Zucker, like, I think that he he had an outlying year last season with Pittsburgh. Like, it was out of the he's ordinary. Also, he's also old. That's yeah. He's thirty. He's thirty one. He's thirty one. He's not old ish. He's, he's old ish. Yeah, but. You know, he's probably going to be on the down. And again, it, it was one year with Pittsburgh where he probably, because of some injuries, got shoved up on a second, third line and, you know, got some and got some power play time with Sid and scored some points, you know. Yeah. And I 
I see what Andre Torini's trying to do here because they've got Barrett Hayden up there between Schmaltz and Keller, the big boys. But, it, like, you're trying to balance it out a little bit. You're trying to have Cooley there as a scoring threat on the second line. But let's be honest here. He's going to be that first-line center a month or so into the season, if not before that. So I don't see him sticking with those two for very long. I think there's going to be no choice but to put him up with the big boys when you need some goals. Yeah, I uh, I agree with kind of parts of what both of you said. I think Cooley's season is going to be a ton of peaks and valleys. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to you know going to be a rocket for the first forty games that he'll you know fall off a cliff. I think there will be times where the doldrums of a season they go on an East Coast road trip and he's got to play games in Washington and Philly and Pittsburgh and Buffalo and New York twice. And then he gets to go back to Arizona and he puts up, you know, two points in six games and the Arizona fans, all 12 of them are sitting there. I'm just kidding. Guys don't come at me. Uh, all, they're, you know, they're like, you know, what's going on with this kid? You know, he just had seven points in four games on the homestand. Now he, got, he has to fly across the fucking country. And anybody that's ever flown across the country knows how miserable that is. And then you stay there in hotels and you're his age and you've never done this in your life. It's gonna be a t- it's gonna be a roller coaster, it just is. I'll say sixty. If he puts up sixty this year, I'll be I'll be really impressed. Wow. If he if he puts up if he puts up a point every four periods, that's a hell of a season. So, you know, I I think sixty points would be uh, more in the realm for for Logan Cooley. I think he'll finish right around there. Would would I be shocked if he finished with seventy or fifty? You know, on the broad end of the spectrum there. No, but I'm going to put him right there at 60 points. So let's go to these subtractions. Not a ton. Um, They lost Christian Fisher. That's definitely a a biblical reference. Zach Cassian, uh, Patrick Nemeth, Brett Ritchie, and Connor Mackey. So uh, let's go into the X factors, boys. Uh, We've talked a lot about Logan Cooley. And Aaron, I know you have him as your X factor. Is there anything else you want to say about him? Um, I I think we covered Cooley pretty well. I... I do think I think he goes over that sixty-five points if I if I didn't say that already, but not by a ton. Um, okay. Since we really harped on him, I have another guy that I think is going to make a huge difference, and he's flown under the radar. Sean Dursey out of L.A. He'd been kind of buried in that lineup. He is a solid fucking two-way defenseman, man. He can actually defend, and that's what this Coyotes team needs. Like they have done a lot of impressive things with this blue line here. Not just him, but also Troy Stetcher, and then Matt Dumba, obviously, is the biggest of the names. But those two just rugged, stay-at-home, responsible guys with a little bit of two-way upside, Stetcher and Jersey, or Dursey, I, I really think that makes this team look a lot better. And they've got a really good goalie in Vimelka. I think they make life a little bit easier on him, and I, I think that's going to be the biggest reason for this team improving outside of Cooley. I like the Dursey the call. He had 38 points last year for... For the Kings, he, I mean, he grinded. He spent three years in the uh, in the American League before he got his shot. Had two productive league, uh, you know, seasons when he got to the league uh, with the Los Angeles Kings. So I like that's a good shot, Aaron. Yeah. And Nate, the points you, are nice, but the biggest thing for me is his defensive ability. Because yeah. like a lot of rebuilding teams, they look bad in their own end. I think he really kind of stabilizes that more than anything yeah. else he offers. Yeah, fifteen to eighteen minutes a night kind of keeps the storm at bay, if you will. Nate, what do you got for us uh, in terms of your X factor with the Yotes? Yeah, I'm going with uh, you know their home, their, you know their homegrown kid, uh, Clayton Keller. I'm predicting a hundred point season from Clayton Keller this season. Damn, 
Yeah, uh, if you and if you want to take a look at it, you want to get into the numbers real quick. I mean, he's just been he came in, you know, 65 points in 17-18 that went down 47-44-35. But now he's on a steady rise back up. 21-22, he had 63 points. Last year he had 86. You put him you put him you, you get Logan Cooley aside him. I think there's some facilitating of points there that I think really helps boost his numbers a lot. I like and I, I see him. I, I can see him getting to that hundred point mark this year. How many talks? How many talks if he hits hundred points? Uh, let's see. So last year with eighty six points, he had thirty seven talks. So with a hundred, I'm if he has a hundred points, even I'm gonna put him at. I'm gonna put him at forty. I'm gonna put him at forty eight, forty nine. I'm gonna put him anywhere from forty eight to fifty one talks. Okay. Nice. I dude. Nice. Dude. I I like that because last year too it. He surprised a lot of people, not because they didn't know he was talented, but because he came back off that brutal leg injury. The way he looked and recovered from that man, his mobility and his the way he just stepped things up, I I really really like that that pick as an X factor, Nate. And like never had a solid number one center before, and Cooley is the playmaking guy who can help push him to the next level. That's what I'm saying. Like when you've got him, like when, like when we are predicting that Cooley's at his highs, like I think he's gonna really be able to help in facilitating Keller and vice versa. Um, I I see it really helping boost Keller's numbers and get out there. Hell, you know, I could see him. You know, high mark. I could see Keller getting to sixty ducks. Why not? Fuck it. <laughs> We're just pushing the ceiling here. I don't care. Fuck it. Austin Matthews levels. Everybody that just heard that tag, Paul Bisson added that in that clip because he will, he'll probably stroke it to the pod. Um, I personally have my X factor as the 25 million in dead cap because why? I mean, I get why, but Jesus Christ, Arizona. Assets, uh, but boy. really, but really for me, uh, my number one is, is Matt Dumba. Uh, he was health bombed last year at certain times in Minnesota. And I think it'll be good for him, you know, to come into an organization that wants him there. He's in a one-year $3.9 million deal. So, you know, he definitely helps them hit that cap floor, which, once again, disgusting. But, um, you know, he, he'll solidify the first line. My thing with him is he, he vanishes. He, he goes ghost, you know. And I hope he can put it together for 70-plus games and, you know, kind of bring this team along to where they want to be. Because the Yotes go one of two ways, in my opinion. They do have more to offer than than the Blackhawks do, and then the team I have finishing eighth. Um, but my, my big thing with them is they either suck and they suck bad, and they finish with a top two pick, or they try to fight their way into, I'm not going to say a wild card spot because they're nowhere near good enough for that, but into relevant, you know, to be relevant throughout the entire season. You know, they keep it interesting. They keep the fans engaged. They're still going to have to make a big move at some point. And their big draw is the weather. The weather is a big draw. You can go get a big free agent out of Canada and bring them into Arizona. Do you want to get out of the fucking cold, my guy? You know, look what we're building here. So that's kind of the allure of the Arizona Coyotes. But I think they go one of two ways. They're fun and interesting all year. And they finished outside playoffs. You know, by a little bit of a sizable margin, but they're not out of it until mid-March or something, or they just absolutely suck and they finish bottom two. So, 
that that's kind of how I view this team. They're you know, their highs are high and their lows are low. But uh, I have the Arizona Coyotes finishing sixth in the Central Division. And they, by the way, I want to say this too. I do feel bad for their fan base. They tried to build up a rivalry with Vegas for them, and then they just got fucked when Seattle came in and got sent to the Central. They're not near anyone. They nobody hates them. They have no rival. You know what I mean? Like nobody cares that they exist. Yeah, I honestly, man, you. I feel like you could take one of the Pacific teams and shove them to the Central, but I don't know who. Calgary, like, but they don't want to break up them in Edmonton. And yeah, and I get that. And then there's really not another option. I mean, the only thing I could think of would be Vegas, but. Vegas is basically in California. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, just from a sheer geographic standpoint, Arizona was the obvious choice to bump over there. And yeah, I maybe maybe that, one day, maybe one game. day they develop, maybe one day they develop a little rivalry with Dallas. Like that's that's who you I think you're hoping they could develop something with. Yeah. Yeah. That, right. The you rivalries know, are all going to be made on the ice. I mean, we had L.A. Kings in Chicago as a big rivalry when they were meeting every year in the Western Conference Final. Same with Chicago. And honestly, three ways there. Chicago, Vancouver, L.A. That was a nice little three-way back and forth there in the early 20-teens. It, I don't think it matters as much where you play as it does how you play and who you play against and like who you run into over and over. Detroit and Colorado, those guys are nowhere near each other, but they were just... They hated the shit out of each other. I... I think that uh, I I think that you can manifest it with some on ice play, but you got to have that on ice naturally aspirated deal. You can't manufacture it. I agree. I, I agree with that. They they definitely tried to, but I agree with that. So I have them finishing sixth. Nate, where do you have them? Uh, I've got them fifth. I got um making making a bigger step this season. Um, like I said, Clay. I think Clayton Keller's 100 points helps contribute to that. So yeah. Aaron, what about you? Boys, Phil said nobody cares about the Arizona Coyotes. Well, I fucking care about the Arizona Coyotes. I love this team and the way they played last year. They they obviously had growing pains. They were not good on the road. But Andre Tarigny is a hell of a fucking coach. And he made his bones going up through juniors in the OHL. And he's got this job and proven why he earned it. I mean, you look at what he's done with a guy like Keller, with Matias Michelli. The the way that this team plays under him, they never quit. They're, it's not the rollover tank Coyotes that you've seen from the past. They actually have some fight and some resilience. And with the pieces that they've added this year and with the downward trend of everyone else in this division outside of the top two, I have the Arizona Coyotes finishing fourth. I don't know that that's going to be enough to get into the playoffs because I, I think, think you're I think I think you're a little early on them that high, but that, that's might just me. Be, I might be. I mean, we'll we'll just have to see what we get out of a team like Nashville. Nashville is the real wild card for me because I could see them finishing ahead of Arizona, but they're a hundred percent better than Chicago. They're ninety percent better than St. Louis. They're seventy percent better than Winnipeg. And I think I, there's so many. Yeah, see, we may yeah, disagree yeah, on some of those. We'll, 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 get, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get, get there. Get we'll, get there. Yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's let's but let's continue. On. The we'll get there, boys. We'll get there. They hey. fixed the yeah, defense let's... and they got a fun young number one center. And Andre Turigny is a hell of a coach, and I like him. That's all I'm saying. The Pacific's hey. good, so they might not get in the playoffs at fourth, but that's where I have them in this division. No worries. No worries. I like it. I like it. Let's hop down to a team we just referenced, shall we? The St. Louis Blues last season, 81 points. 
sixth in the Central, 23rd overall in the NHL. They added Kevin Hayes, nice ad, Oscar Sundquist, Malcolm Subban, and Mackenzie McEachern. They lost Tyler Pitlick, Matt Highmore, Logan Brown, Steven Santini, Thomas Grice, who retired, and Josh Levo, who went to the KHL. Um, boys, the St. Louis Blues have lost a lot, more than just that, too. The deadline last year, they also lost Ryan O'Reilly, who's now a national. So now they have to play against him. And they lost Vladimir Tarasenko, who is now in Ottawa. We've already talked about Tarasenko, and we'll get to Ryan O'Reilly soon. Um, this team won the cup out of nowhere in 2019. And ever since then, they have fallen flat on their face. Uh, I have no expectations for the St. Louis Blues this year. And I want to start off with X factors. And Nate, we'll start with you. Do you have an X factor for this year's St. Louis Blues? Boy, I was just literally looking into that. I, I'm going to kind of give you a like X factor A and X factor B, both left wingers. Uh, I'm going to go Buchnevich and Verana. Um, both guys, I mean, especially a guy like Verana. I mean, he's 27 years old. Last year, he had, tw- you know, 11, 5, and, you know, 11, 5, 16. Come on. Like, I know he's been, you know, kind of stuck down on the third line, but you want to see more than that. And Butch Nevich had 67 last year. You know, him on a line with Thomas and Kairou, I could see that line really being the only, like, key point of this offense this year. Yeah. Yeah, I like Verana a lot there, Nate. He was huge in the Caps run to the Cup went back when they won it uh, the year before St. Louis did, actually. I mean, he scored some really big goals. He he was this firecracker. Only only legend. 25 games only 25 games played. I, I figured, yeah, I, yeah. I failed to mention that. He yeah, only Detroit, had 25 games played. Detroit fucked him, man. The, Steve Eiserman just worked his magic and buried a young, talented foreign kid. And it's it, he got the Pavel or the Philip Zadina treatment. They they both mm. are kind of similar skill sets, and Vrana had a little bit of off ice issues too, I think. But as soon as he got traded to St. Louis last year, man, he popped, and I think he is going to be one of the few exciting guys to watch on this team next year. I'm really excited to see him. Long. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, Phil just wanted to point something out. Um, I do see a guy here on the reserves list for the St. Louis Blues from Kazakhstan uh, by the name of Viktor Alexandrov. So, just doing Kazakhstan, a little... Kazakhstan, greatest country in the world. Borat, anyone? There you oh, go. yeah. Um, anyway, also, I, I also, I want... Go ahead, Nate. Oh, yeah, I also wanted to point out, I think, correct. Uh, I may be wrong here, but does St. Louis have the one and only Australian player in the NHL on their roster? I believe because so. Because they've got no. a, the one Nathan Walker, yeah, Nathan left Walker winger. Yeah, the one and only Australian, mate. I get to collect the radio. No. He cannot afford. Great success. <laughs> Boys, uh, my X factor this year for this team is Jordan Cairo. He's the only player I think is worth talking about ad nauseum. Uh, 73 points, 79 games last year, 37 talks, 36 apples. Uh, Can he go up from there? I don't know. There's a lot less around him now. But uh, I do think Cairo, he's 24 years old. He's 
you know, the mainstay here. And I did want to read off one of our listener questions because we've talked about all these teams. Uh, shout out to TFC Leaf Nation on Twitter. Which teams will have a race to the bottom for the number one pick? And which teams will compete in a race to the playoffs? We are going to answer this simultaneously as we go. But I think you're about to get my answer for the number one in the race for the bottom. Aaron, who's your X Factor before we get there? Uh, my X Factor, buddy, is Father Time. It has not been kind to this team, especially on the back end. Ryan O'Reilly, he had a really bad year last year before getting traded to Toronto. He's out. Um, if you look at the defense, though, Nick Letty, Colton Pareko, Tori Krug, Justin Falk, Cal Rosen, Robert Bortuzzo. I'm not 100% sure of Cal Rosen's age, but everybody else is on like their third contract in the league and not looking very fleet of foot. That defense is Jay Bowmeister, Alex Petrangelo. These towers of power you used to see in St. Louis on the blue line have been replaced with a couple of guys on walkers who used to be pretty damn good. And that's going to be a huge Achilles heel for this team. Braden Shin's getting up there. Kevin Hayes. Love Kevin Hayes, but he's not the young offensive flair guy that he used to be. It's just, it's getting old and slow and ugly on this Blues team. And I do not like their prospects whatsoever this season. I don't either. And that's why I'm going to come out and say it now. I have the St. Louis Blues finishing dead last eighth place. This is my eighth place team. They'll get a high pick. They just won a cup. But I think the part that I'm going to take the most satisfaction in and watching the St. Louis Blues lose, outside of the fact they used to beat the fuck out of the Blue Jackets we were in the Western Conference, is Jordan Bennington is a whiny little bitch. And his old, as you said, walker-inducing in, walker defense uh, is going to be great to watch him get peppered all night. We're going to get so many good clips of him losing his shit this year. Yeah, that's a nice positive for this team. That that might be the reason I watch this team is to watch, to see if anyone ever actually gets a chance to fight Jordan Bennington after he... Circle the Edmonton game on the calendar right there. The Edmonton game? You think so? No, just, no, just imagine Edmonton goes in there and they just pump him. Oh, oh yeah. No, I thought, I thought there was a beef between him and Stuart Skinner that I had no, missed. No, I'm just... I'm just thinking about like teams that'll absolutely pump them. Oh, I'm thinking Minnesota. You, he almost fought Flurry last year, and the goddamn ref got in the way. Yeah, it's true. Minnesota, Colorado. Oh, Colorado's Colorado. gonna be Maybe. ugly. Even boy. Dallas. Dallas will run you up and fill you in. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and they're yeah, they're I, not gonna slouch off when he starts swinging his stick wildly in people's faces. No. Where do you have so him? I have the, yeah, where do you got him? Um, I've got them, I, I have them listed six, but honestly, man, like I could, uh, I could see them interchanging with Chicago and having, you know, Chicago, my Chicago be sixth and St. Louis be seventh. Um, so I'm really like up in the air between those two and I'm honestly leaning more Chicago sixth and St. Louis seventh, just cause I'm, I, again, I'm looking at this lineup and you're really hoping for guys like Hayes, Verona to be able to produce something on a third line, maybe even be able to bump them up to a second. But like Brandon Saad, I, I, you're not going to get a lot there. Casper Cas, McCappen and now, nah, yeah, I just don't see it guys. And, and 
fucking Bennington's going to get pumped all season long. Doesn't matter who they're playing. Let's be honest. Yep. Yeah, I I have them firmly ahead of Chicago, boys. Chicago is not fucking good outside of Connor Bedard. Who else on that roster well, the, is like a decent NHL player? Is my question. Seth Saint, Jones. Saint, yeah. Taylor Hall. Yeah. So Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard are on the ice at the same time. Seth Jones is one guy on defense, and he's on their top pair, and they're probably going to be all out at once. There, Seth Jones is playing probably twenty minutes a night. The other forty minutes of that game. Connor Saint, Murphy's Connor Murphy's a good defenseman. He's a good uh, second line. I've been waiting for he's him a- to pop. He just hasn't, man. He's built like an absolute Greek god, but he just doesn't have the the reads on the ice. I don't think. But like St. Louis, they have a bunch of like aging middling guys that at least are NHL players. Jakob Vrana on the third line, he's gonna be good. Kevin Hayes, it, he's like a second line center on a medium, like a mid range team. You're you're looking at like the depth that they have. They they don't have anybody great. Cairo maybe could have a great season, but like. They have a lot of guys that are just a little bit below average, where Chicago is Connor Bedard's line, Seth Jones on defense, then it falls off a fucking cliff. I mean, it's just going to be NHL versus AHL the other 40 minutes of the game that those guys aren't on the ice. But 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 then, but here's the thing, Aaron. Like, if you look at who, like, who they're going to play in the division, like, they could definitely steal some games off teams like St. Louis, like, I like. I think they could steal games off Nashville. I think they could even steal games Arizona, off Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Yeah, exactly. And then you look at around the, you know, around the league. You know, they're definitely taking. I think they're taking games over Philly. Um, I'd even have them maybe taking a game over uh, the Islanders. I have them taking games over Montreal. Maybe even stealing one versus Florida. I mean, I think they'll win some games, but I just think St. Louis like knows how to play a consistent season night in and night out show up and they've got a coach and Craig Berube that is not going to let him take a night off. Like this team needs to tank and be worse than Chicago, but they're not going to be because there's too much veteran pride in that lineup and too much experience. Like I I think they're going to be bad, but I think they're still eons better than Chicago. They can at least ice an NHL roster is all I'm saying. Hey, That's fair enough. That is all I'm saying enough. is, all I'm saying is, you guys notice we still haven't gotten to my eighth place team. I know. Oh no, we'll get there. Hey guys, let's go down to the Nashville Predators. Last season, 92 points, fifth in the Central. They fought tooth and nail for one of those final wild card spots and came up just short. They finished 18th in the NHL. They added Ryan O'Reilly, Gustav Nyquist, Luke Shen, and Dennis Gurionov. They lost Matthew Shane. Ryan Johansson, Cal Foote, and Zach Sanford. Uh, this team is interesting. They had caught up a lot of guys late last year. They made a good push. You know, they have UC Soros and Net, so you, you know you're going to get good games out of Soros. But this team is revamped, and they lost their top two centers. So they've made some ill-advised trades in the last few years as well, some that haven't worked out, like Arvidsson to the Kings. You sent off Kevin Fiala as well. Just certain moves that you're like, man, what is going on? You know, down in Nashville, they did bring in Barry Trotz as their GM now. So they have made a move with a guy that's won a cup. Um, But, you know, when it comes to the additions of traction, it looks more negative than positive in my view. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but 
they are a young team. They do roll at least three solid lines deep now, but it's not as good down the spine. Would you agree with that? So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I I think from a purely on ice scoring production, you're right. I I think that Duchesne and Johansson, if you just look at the talent level of those guys. Yeah, they're not. They're putting up more points than Cody Glass and Ryan O'Reilly right now. Barry Trotz came in here. I my big question for this team is what direction are they trying to go? And maybe he doesn't even know yet. He wants to see what he has on the roster. But he brings in Ryan O'Reilly. I I'm not expecting a lot out of him. I I hope he proves me wrong because I I've, I've liked him as a player for a really long time, and he looked good with the Leafs last year after the trade deadline. But he was dog shit in St. Louis until that point. I had him on my fantasy team. I drafted him in like the fourth or fifth round and he was just a fucking anchor man. He he had a bad season until he got put on a competitive team and I just don't know how competitive Nashville is going to be this year. They they made moves to try to shake up the locker room culture. Barry Trotz kind of mentioned that a little bit or alluded to it with the uh the Duchesne buyout and the Johansson cap dump trade which I think those guys are going to be productive for the teams they go to. But I think he just like kind of saw the culture in this locker room is getting stale. He, there were guys that wanted to live in Nashville, but didn't care quite as much about putting in the effort to win in Nashville. So I think that is a good move for the future, but I, I just don't know what direction they're trying to go. And they've got a lot of young talent. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more once we get to X factors, but I, they're like, they made moves that make me think they're going to be too good to tank, which they really need to do to get the talent that they need. Yeah. And Soros no, can't fair. save their ass every single game, dude. He just can't. He's played more games in the last two years, I believe, than any goaltender, or at least last season for sure. He led the league in starts. And you got Kevin Lankin in behind him. You're just going to run this guy into the ground if you keep playing him that much. So. If you want to compete, you need a good backup to give them some rest, and they don't have that, so I don't know how much they're going to be competing. Well, Aaron, do you want to lead us into the X Factor then? Sure. So my X Factor, you mentioned, Phil, they made a big run last year. A lot of it I would attribute to my guy, Tommy Novak. They've got him penciled in on the third line right now. I don't think that lasts very long. Ryan O'Reilly is not a first-line center anymore. He's going to bump his way back up there. Uh, Last season... The Nashville Predators, I'll get, take you a little down a memory lane here. They were on a six-game losing streak in the middle of December. December 19th, guess who gets caught up? Thomas Novak. Scores in his first game. And from that point on, the Nashville Predators were a fucking team to be trifled with. They went 30-19-4. or 30, 19 and four. They climbed back into the playoff race after being out by double digits and like more than that, really. And they barely missed by three points. The season was decided on, I believe, the third to last game of the year against Winnipeg. If they'd won that game in regulation, they would have beat Winnipeg into the playoffs. So, I mean, they they made a huge push on the back of Novak and a couple of these other young guys. Luke Evangelista. I think there's another guy that might be your S-factor here, Phil, that got a late call up and looked good. But Tommy Novak, 17 goals, 26 assists. 43 points in 51 games after that December 19th call-up, and he led the lead, or led the team in scoring after that point. Nobody else on the team scored that much. So he's he's a game-changer. He's big body, good hands, good hockey sense. Excited to see what he can do this year. 
Yeah, I love that one. No, that's a good pick. Uh, they do have a plethora of young talent down there uh, in Nashville. I'm sure they won't have any fun either. Nate, uh, what do you got for your X Factor, my guy? If you'd like to unmute yourself. Yep, that's all my my bad guys. Uh, I'll ride the uh, I'll ride the young the young gun train with you, um, and I'll just take Luke Evangelista. Uh, this kid also getting caught, you know, a late call up really showed out. Had you know, fifteen points in twenty four games played, um, and I believe in one of those games he even had a hat trick. Uh, I'm maybe I'm wrong there, but I thought I remember Luke Evangelista coming in with a hat trick last year. So, I believe- uh, what was that, Phil? I believe he did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I remember that. I forget who, I think it was against a central opponent, and he had, like, a couple nasty ones in that game. He's got some skill. It, yeah. So, I'm excited to see what he what this kid can do. Um, It's looking like they're going to have uh, him, Novak, and Tomasino all on a line together. So, uh, right there, that's a pretty young line, you know, 21, 26, 22. Playing for a high-flying offensive coach and Andrew Burnett, too. Yeah, this team's going to put up points this year. Um, I have uh, – so I took Yuso Parson, and, and I want to see him on the first line. I think they'll bump Forsberg down eventually and then subsequently bump Gus down and then bump Cole Smith down. I want to see him on the first line with O'Reilly and Forsberg – or, sorry, with Gurionov. And he, I mean, he had 25 points last year in 45 games, so he's played about a half season. So the question for me is how does he, you know, perform over at 82 – but I, there's no reason for me why he can't put up 50-plus points in a season, you know. And that's just my opinion. He's my young gun to watch. He's my X-Factor for this team. I love that none of us picked an older X-Factor for this team. Um, but, what, I mean, let's just hop into it. Predictions. Uh, Nate, we'll start with you. Where do you see guys, the team? Finishing? Guys, I have the Nashville Predators finishing eighth this year. Whoop! I, I see struggles. I see struggles ahead for this team. Um, you, I think they, you did bring in a lot of veterans. Um, I just don't think these veterans are going to be any worth a lot. I mean, worth worth a lot of damn. Um, and then you're looking at your defense. You still, you're, you're leaning really heavy on Roman Yossi and Ryan McDonough, two guys well into their thirties, uh, creeping up on 40. Um, you did bring in Luke Shen and, you know, he's going to be a nice physical presence. Tyson Berry, he'll be able to help put up some points. Um, even Alexander Carrier coming over, that'll help them out as well. But, you know, you're I think you're going to rely heavily on Philip Forsberg and then those young guys to put up the, the bulkier points. Um, and then you're, you know, you've got your role, gli- your role guys like your Cody Glasses, your Colton Sissons. And I don't expect a lot from your, you know, Guriana, Ryan O'Reilly, Nyquist. I don't expect a lot there. So, I, I do yeah, think I Nyquist. I forgot to mention him. I, I like. And I'm, not, and I'm also, I'm also not high on Andrew. I'm also not high on Andrew Burnett either. I'm not high on him as a winning games coach. I'm high on him as a fun coach. He, he inherited Joel Quinville's system in Florida. Failed to make any sort of adjustments whatsoever. Uh, got into the playoffs and just got shit all over. And, but I mean, maybe he's grown. He he assisted in New Jersey last year. He a, a lot of the players there uh, credited him with some of their success that they had, and I think he learned from a good old Wiley vet there and uh, Lindy Ruff. So I 
I'm willing to give him a chance, but I I want him to prove it to me. Um, yeah, I'll give him. I'll I, hey, I'll give the guy a chance, yeah. but yeah, you you got to prove it. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not. I've never been high on the guy. Like yeah. Uh, quick note here too on Roman Yossi. 33, not quite creeping up on 40, but I see what you're getting at there. He's he's not a spring chicken anymore. Um, he's well in. He's into his. He's well into his 30s. Yeah. Uh, also, bad news, boys. Luke Evangelista, two two goal games last year, no hat trick. So, um, uh, he got close a couple times. Had a four point performance. Had a three point performance, but no hattie. Uh, hopefully, okay. he can put one of those up this year, though. Good for him. Let's let's see what the future holds. For sure, Aaron. Yeah. What do you see? So I am higher on the Predators than you guys are. I think. I see them in a group of three teams with Arizona and another one that will be named at a later time that is the middle class of the Central Division. Not great, but a lot of unknowns, a lot of competitive pieces, some veteran leadership. I They could go either way, but I have them at fifth. I, I don't think they're better than Arizona, um, but I could see them being right there with the Coyotes kind of battling for that fourth place spot. I, if Soros stays healthy, that's the thing, because he's a big game changer when he's playing, and they've got some exciting young talent, and they've got a couple of veterans that are pretty good at getting teams to rally behind them. So I, they have potential. I just don't know that they're going to live up to it. Sure, I have Nashville finishing fourth. Once again, not sure if that's good enough. Um, you know, the Pacific is very strong, and we'll preview them next week. And I think we're going to have a fun one on, on Monday night when we record that bad boy. Um, but I have the National Predators finishing fourth. Everything you said about Andrew Burnett, we'll see how they, you know, come out, you know, high-flying in a division that is old defensively. I think they'll be able to win some five-fours, you know, out there. So that's just my my two cents on that. But uh, I'm not going to call them playoff team because I think we're going to get five out of the Pacific. But I think they will be right there. Till the end again, boys. Let's hop down to the team I'm repping tonight. Woo! The Winnipeg Jets. J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Winnipeg last year, 95 points, fourth in the Central, 14th in the NHL. Went out in the first round against Vegas. Had some gong show games in there. They added Gabriel Velarde, Rasmus Kapari, Alex Iafalo, and Lauren Brassois, newly minted Stanley Cup champion. They lost Pierre Luc Dubois. Blake Wheeler, David Riddich, Kevin Stenland, Carson Kuhlman, and Sam Gagne. A lot of former Blue Jackets at <laughs> subtractions list. Um, Winnipeg's a fun one. Smallest market in the NHL by far. Uh, arguably the one of the most passionate fan bases. I know we've already made a clip of me saying that, but one of those that, uh, you know, small but mighty, if you will. We joke that they don't have Wi-Fi there and they don't need it. They show up at the arena anyways. So, uh, Winnipeg's an interesting team. And I think the main question we have to discuss before we go into X factors or anything is, you know, does Connor Hellyabuck end up playing the entire season there? I have no fucking clue, dude. I, I'm so lost on the direction of not just that player's future of this team, but the entire fucking team itself. It's, You've got Rick Bonus getting into fucking fights in the media with his players after bowing out in the playoffs. You've got them starting super strong last year and then just falling flat on their face. 
You've got uh, their captain leaving after rumors of him being a locker room cancer. You got PLD wanting out yet again, going to the Kings for not a bad return, I might say, but not no player in that trade is enough to replace that top line center potential that he had. It's this feels like a team that needs to tear it down, but they're not willing to because they are such a small market and they need to put asses in seats to pay the bills. So I I hope that they can get this back on track because those fans there deserve a winner. The closest thing they had was uh, back when they lost to Vegas in the conference final. And, and then Dustin Bufflin left. It was, it's like the whole thing on repeat with this team. It, they get kind of good and then everybody gets malcontent and leaves and they have to try again and rebuild on the fly and somehow they start to be okay again and then it just it recycles itself so i yeah. i think this team needs a complete and total teardown i don't know if they're willing to do it though yeah that's i think that's the big question for them as well uh nate who is your x factor for the winnipeg jets my X Factor is going to go ahead and be one Gabriel Velarde coming over from L.A. Um, can we see, huh? L.A. L.A., LA. exactly. Um, I, I, you know, I love him, you know, paired up with Kyle Connor. Um, right now I'm seeing Mark Shifley in there. Um, and Phil, I see your note down there below, you know, Cole Perfetti, you know, can he be a top six center? Could he even, you know, step in and maybe play help and help facilitate those two guys? Um, I know that's probably asking a lot from a guy like that, but you're, if you want to see this franchise, be like you say, putting ass in seats, winning games you need to be hitting on your draft picks at every single year. And you need to be smart on, at the deadline, making acquisitions, not giving a lot away unless you really think you got a lot, unless you got a chance. Um, when you, you know, going to your, going to your goalie comment, man, though, Laurent Brassois, you're betting a lot on a guy that had a kind of hot hand for Vegas last year. I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy did a lot. If you trade Connor Hellebuck. What's that? If you trade Hellebuck. Yeah, if you trade. Yeah, yeah, they still have Hellebuck, but, you know, Laurent Brassois can come in and play some games for him. You don't have to play him all season. And that's, I feel like he, he, you know, again, you're betting a lot on a hot hand. Is he really as good as we, as you hope? Boy, we'll see. But, um, yeah, you gotta really hope. And can we also point out that Connor Hellebuck is a UFA after this season? That's why I think they end up dealing him yeah. to someone that needs the deadline. And he's made comments about wanting to go to a, a contender. Um, it seems like things have gotten a little bit more amicable here recently. But I, I think his preference is to go. He's getting up there in age, and he's been the backbone of this team forever. He can't slave away up there anymore, man. They need to rebuild. They need to get some assets out of him, and he needs to go get a chance to win the cup that he deserves. Yeah. Injuries or any any team that we watch during the season that, you know, doesn't see the goaltending play. Uh, hot take. My X factor is Cole Perfetti, and Nate, you already touched on that, which is great because we're spending a lot of time on X factors. But I do think a hot take here 
is if uh, Stuart Skinner doesn't play up to snuff at Edmonton, I could see Hellebuck ending up at Edmonton for sure. The only thing there is cap, though, dude. The Edmonton doesn't well, have a lot of assets to send to Winnipeg to eat the Jack Campbell contract, and they're going to need that to happen if they want to bring in a guy like Hellebuck. Jack Campbell yeah. is a fucking boat anchor on that cap, and they they're just got to hope he figures it out because it's their their goaltending's locked in. They they have no flexibility unless someone's willing to just eat a lot of contract for nothing. Yep, exactly. So that was my that was my thought, but yeah, Aaron, who's your X factor for Winnipeg? Uh mine is Alex Iafalo. I really really like this kid as a goal scorer in LA. Um getting him and Velarde, I think does help mitigate the loss of Dubois. We'll see how he does. He he was injured last year, didn't play a full season. I think I think Dubois was a little toxic for that team. That's all I'm gonna say. Like yeah. I think I think you I think you lost. I think I think that's a good loss. On ice production wise, no. In the locker room, maybe. Yeah, but th- there was a lot of toxicity going around there, man. It's it's tough to point fingers at one guy, but he's out of there. You get a couple promising young studs coming back. Um, I I do want to touch on Cole Perfetti real quick, Phil. I like him as yep. your X factor. This kid is a fucking stud. He is absolutely... He was buried in the lineup. He's a natural center. They had him playing on the wing. Now that the path is clear with Dubois out of the picture, he's launching up there and he's going to light it up. This kid had 111 points in 61 games in the OHL back in 2019-20. Had 74 points in 63 games the year before. Put up 30 and 51 last year in his first real long stretch of NHL. It, this kid is a missile. I cannot wait to watch him play this year. I think 70 points, easy for this kid. Love it. I love it. I I think it's... It, so you're having him, like, I, I, I had 50-point ceiling. You think 50-point floor. 50-point floor minimum. Dude, he was on pace for uh, 49 over a full regular season. It, it, right. If you, you know, extrapolate his totals. And that was yep. with a toxic team. So I, I think he launches to the moon this season. Playing with Ehlers and Connor, hell yeah. Aaron, where do you think they finish? I have the Winnipeg Jets finishing, I believe, seventh. Let me double check. There's so many bad teams, dude. It's so hard to keep track. Uh, yes, I have the Worst division in hockey. Yep. All They're right. just a hair above Chicago. That's, that's fair. I have them finishing fifth. They'll be competitive, but once again, no no playoffs. Nate, what do you got him? I've got him fourth. I've got him winning a healthy amount of games. Um, again, and fourth is not gonna. I don't think fourth is gonna be enough to get you into the playoffs. But um, yeah, I've got him. I've got him there. I think they've got a lot of firepower on offense. I think they're gonna be able to put pucks in the net. Um, whether they can actually defend the net is gonna be a question. But we'll see. Sure. And no, even then, even then, I think they've got the firepower to maybe outscore and win some games. Hey, you know what? That would be I. You know, I, I think their fan base is just looking for something positive. You know? Yeah. They're looking for something positive. So let's hop down. <laughs> pardon me. Let's hop down to the uh, team that finished third last year for our friends over at. Um, the soda pod last season the Minnesota Wild finished with 103 points third in the central 11th overall in the NHL they had a nice little run in playoffs they had a you know they were competitive but at the end of the day they lost in the first round four to two 
uh, over the Dallas Stars, uh, unfortunately for them. But they put up a good fight. It was a great series um, at the end of the day. Just didn't have enough manpower. And Kaprizov was injured. We can go through all that. But they added Pat Maroon for that sandpaper finish and Vinny Lettieri. They lost Ryan Reeves. So they replaced Ryan Reeves with Pat Maroon. They got rid of Matt Dumba, who they clearly didn't want. Gus Nyquist was just there at the end of the year after a trade. Oscar Sundquist, Sam Steele, and John Klingberg. I think their additions and subtractions pretty much even out, in my opinion. Um, this is a very interesting team. I want to see, you know, how the first line rolls. They just signed Matt Zuccarello to a new contract. He's getting up there in age. I think he's 37 now. 36. And, you know, 36. There we go. And he wears number 36. How perfect. Um, you know, that first line, for me, the only weakness for this team really is down the spine um, for now. They have a lot of young talent coming up, but Ryan Hartman at center, good player, but not a top line center in my opinion. I'm sure wild fans will tell me I'm wrong, but you got KK 97 and Zook on the wings of him, which I think will, you know, kind of even it out. But to me, this team screams, we're going to do exactly what we did last year. So, you know, I, I maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I, I think the Minnesota wild have an amazing fan base. The Minnesota twins, just broke a 21-year playoff drought tonight. They advanced out of the wild card round, so fans in Minnesota are getting hyped up. They've been through a lot of shit um, as a fan base, and I think this team can turn it around. I still think they're missing a piece or two. They still have Flower and Net, so they still have you know a Vezina winner, you know, multi-time Stanley Cup winner, three-time, two-time Cup winner, three-time Cup winner, three-time Cup winner with Pittsburgh. And, you know, they have the pieces. I just think their spine is the weak part. I would say Gustafson is your, your better bet in net than Flurry at this point, honestly. Yeah, Gustafson looked good last year. Yeah, it'll be a, a timeshare. I mean, Flurry will get a lot of starts, and he's he can be very good at times, but he's just not a full-time starter anymore. Gustafson, 25 years old, put up some great numbers last year. He's actually been making more than Flurry right now. He finally got paid for all the effort. And I, I think he's going to really take the ball and run with it this year. The the thing with Minnesota, man, I, I honestly think they wanted to keep Matt Dumba. Um, he was a healthy scratch a couple times, but they also leaned on him a lot, too, when he was in the lineup. They were just – it was the old uh, hard-nosed coach, I'm going to scratch you to try to get more out of you kind of deal. They just couldn't fucking afford him, dude. Right now, as it sits, they have $42,000 in cap space, and they couldn't afford any kind of a contract for him. And you know yeah. why? Because they're paying – $14.7 million combined between Parise and Ryan Suter against the cap in dead fucking money this year and next year. Right now, they're just trying to survive through that, let some of these young guys develop, and see where they come out on the other end. I mean, they, they want to compete. Bill Guerin's a competitive GM, man. He was a competitive player. He wants mm -hmm. to go far and do things, and I think he's done a great job of patching holes to get them through this and be a playoff team and a team that pushed a very good team in Dallas to six games. I I just I think they need a little bit more from these young guys on ELCs if they're going to be able to make any noise this year. So, I, I mean, this division's not good. I have Minnesota. I'm not even waiting for you to ask. They're finishing third. They're they're the top. Three I think we all. Division. I think we all have that, right? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. division has three teams that are playoff teams, and everyone yep. else who's just hoping for a shot. Like, yep. the the path is clear for them, but yeah, it's 
the, their center depth isn't really there. They do have some very good talent on the wings. They've got some exciting young D, Kalen Addison. Uh, once we get to X factors, I'll talk a little bit more. But let's uh, let's move on a little bit. I'm I'm tired of listening to myself. No, no, we're good. We're good. Uh, Nate, we'll start with you then, my my guy. Um, who is going to be your X factor for the Minnesota Wild this year? I'm going with Matt Boldy. Uh, kid looked Ooh. really good last year. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, 30, 31 Genos, 32 Apples, 63 points, and 81 games played. Yeah, you'll take that out of the kid. Um, what I want to know is, are we going <laughs> to see a sophomore slump or not? Like, does he, you know, does he have the game that can, you know, still elude some guys, still put up? I mean, you'd love to see the same, if not more, production. But really, if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, like, are you are you satisfied if you see fifty points? You know, what's your what's your bottom floor? What's a you know what's a slump for him? Forty, thirty? Thirty's definitely a slump. If he finishes with thirty points, Nate. If he finishes with thirty points. I will buy the first Minnesota Wild fan that DMs me the jersey of their choice after the season. Better hope he doesn't get injured, Phil. Injury, injury, injuries aside. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let me put that stipulation. Honestly, I yeah, I I don't see him. I injuries I really don't see or him. Suspension of some kind aside, if he plays a reasonable amount of games, you know, we'll, we'll say seventy plus because he played eighty one last year. He plays 71 or 70 plus games and finishes with 30 points. I'll buy someone a jersey of their choice. Yeah, I don't I don't see it happening. Like I'm saying that's a really bad season for him. But like I you you're hoping to see him have a, I think you're hoping to see him have at least a 50-55 point season, but really you'd like to see the same if not more production for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Boldy, man. I I'm in the same boat with him as I am Cole Perfetti. I don't think we're in dangerous sophomore slump because two years ago he paid he played forty seven games, thirty nine points in that stretch. Oh, oh okay, year, thanks. Last year, full season, sixty three points in eighty one games. He is going up the fucking uh, like buy 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 on his stock, especially if my ex I like it. can figure shit out. Marco Rossi, uh, I gotta get the pronunciation right with a roll of the tongue here. Ottawa 67's prospect, absolute firecracker, speed demon, fucking high-skilled kid, really, really had a rough run with COVID. He missed entire seasons almost. He had like a one-game played and a two-game played just because he had like myocarditis issues and stuff. He's, he's battling back from there. Last season, he went to the AHL. He actually got a good chunk of games in, 53 games had 51 points in that span i expect him to make the jump to the big club this year fill the hole of skilled center that they've been missing and i can see him making some beautiful magic with matt boldy uh those guys skill sets really complement each other and you could see like a nice little second or third line here i i think second line second line you get those two kids just coming out roasting to be another wave of attack after uh caprizov and zuccarello i really like the future of this team if he can step it up that's that's the big thing. He's got to translate that AHL success where he started to figure it out to the NHL now that he's healthy again. Yeah, I like it. I like both the picks. Boys, I'm rocking with Brock fucking favor. Wild fans love him. 
They're pumped. He played a handful of games last year for the big club. I'm looking for him. He'll start on the third line, probably defensive pairing. But I look for him to, you know, move up as the year goes along. You know, I, I just, I think that sky is the limit for this kid. I think he could be the defensive stall award they've been looking for. And I love his game. He, he, you know, to me, he's a two-way defenseman, but time will tell, you know, once you get into the league, how that goes. But I'm a big Brock Faber fan, and I'm looking forward to watching him play uh, as the year goes along. Boys, before we get into our, well, we already kind of said they're all finishing third. Before we get off the wild, move on to our next team. We have a listener question. Let's go. Uh, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's Mike Ryder or Mike Mike Reader. So Mike, I apologize. Uh, Mike Reader, Mike Ryder, whatever. Eighteen asks, can the Wild keep up with the Stars and Abs? And I think we just answered this. Uh, no, not this year. Uh-huh. I don't think it's out of the question in the next three years, especially once they get that dead cap out of here and the cap goes up next year too so that 14.7 looks more like right around 10 after the cap increase that gary bettman came out today and said we'll be about four and a half to five million so it'll be less of a problem for them however uh, i do think that they're not quite there but they're certainly going to be playing one of the next two teams in the first round of playoffs and it's going to be a gong show so we all have the minnesota wild finishing third we're all very excited to watch them. Would love to head up to a game in Minneapolis. Uh, I'll have to wear four layers now because I'm fucking soft. But I would love to go up there and watch a game. So maybe we should uh, talk to the Soda Boys and make that happen. Um, let's hop down to the team that finished last year with 108 points, second in the Central, eighth overall in the NHL, the Dallas Stars. They added Matt Duchesne, Sam Steele, Craig Smith, Gavin Bayreuther, I don't know how that's a good addition, but whatever. And Derek, uh, is it Pouillot? Pouillot. There we go. They lost Max Domi, who refuses to stay in one place more than three months. Luke Glendening, Colin Miller, and Will Butcher. Um, I'm just going to read up the first line here for the Dallas Stars, and everybody break the Jurgens out. Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski. Say less. I mean... Really? That's all you gotta say. That's all you gotta say about this team. Like that. There you go. I don't think. I mean, it, it all roll through the lines. Then the second line, you have Jamie Ben, Wyatt Johnson, and Wyatt. Wyatt last year was fucking remarkable as as, as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And then you know Evgeny Dadnoff. And then third line, you got Mason Marchment, Tyler Sagan, and Matt Duchesne. They got Duchesne on a wing on this team because on the fourth line you have Ty Delandria, you know Radic Faxa, Faxa, Faxa. Fox, there we go. See, I always do this. And then Craig Smith. I overthink it. Aaron, we talked about it before the podcast. Yeah. I always overthink. It's all right. Names, it, as long as you're making a solid effort, man, these guys, they, they understand. They no, appreciate I, it. I know, but I feel like an idiot because we're supposed to sound great. Um, my thing is, they roll 12 deep. Very good fucking 12 deep. For me, and I think for all of you, <laughs> the issues come on the blue line. Phil, I do not understand this personal vendetta you have against Gavin Bayreuther. He's not a superstar. He He is not, dude, no. Like, he is a third-pairing defenseman. That's like, he's he's an okay third-pairing defenseman. He's not the worst fucking guy in the world. There are so many worse players than Gavin Bayreuther. He's not great. I'm not saying he's great, 
but he's a hell of a lot better than some of the other guys in this league. Look at fucking Eric Branson. That guy's a fucking bum, and he makes eight times as much money as Gavin Bayreuther. I would take yeah. Bayreuther over Branson any day of the week, any week of the year, any of that shit. You know who else I would take him over? Ryan fucking Suter, because he can fucking move, and he's not a cocky asshole. So hopefully he can supplant that guy. I don't know that he will because, you know, it's you're kind of cap obligated to, you know, massage this guy's ego and give him second power play time and let him ruin Miro Haskinen from being a million point player. Like it how much dead weight does Haskinen have to carry every time Ryan Suter plays with him? I I don't hate Gavin Bayreuther, is all I'm trying to say. I think he is a solid addition for this team, actually, because he gives them another option on the blue line that is not the bums that they were icing in the bottom pairing last season. So, like that, I also really am looking for a step up from Thomas Harley. That kid, I think, is ready to make the jump. And Colin Miller didn't do a lot last year. I wasn't a big fan of that. So, just kind of rotating some guys in at D, seeing how they work out, I don't hate at all. And you've always got flexibility to move at the deadline if you need to add on to that position. So it's I'm not as concerned as I was last year just because I am seeing some things change. The big thing for me, though, Nils Lundqvist. You paid a first-round pick for this guy, and you're keeping him out of the lineup because you're massaging Ryan Suter's ego. Let this kid fucking play and show why you gave up a first-round pick for him. And if he doesn't work out, at least you know that and you can make a move to make a replacement rather than letting him just rot as a seventh defenseman or sending him down for conditioning sense. Like let this kid show you what he can do and like help bring him along because you've got enough talent to finish second easily in this division. So see what you got this season in the guy instead of just keeping him anchored to the bench or in the press box the whole time. That's my two cents on the defense. Hey, mate. Are the two two best defensemen in the league in this division in Kale McCarr and Miro Haskinen? Um, Boy, you'd, uh, I think you'd likely say so, right? I mean, they're the highest, like, Miro Haskinen, 73 points last year. Sheesh. Yeah, he finally was off offensively. Yeah, like, this dude had himself a fucking banger of a year, so... Um, I'd, I'd put it up there. Yeah, I'd put it out there in the, you know, maybe the top two, three defensemen in this division. Oh, yeah. I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say 100% in this division. In the league, I think Adam Fox is right there with Haskinen. I like Haskinen, personally, a little bit better than Fox because of his two-way game. Fox also has a great two-way game, but I think Haskinen has just a little bit more on the defensive side of things. But they're neck and neck. I mean, it, either season, one of them could be better than the other. They're they're all three of those guys are elite. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I was just curious. Um, so we'll start with you know we'll go back to you, Nate. What is your X? Who is your X factor for the Dallas Stars this year? Yeah. Um... Boy, I, I almost want to kind of say Joe Pavelski because how much more can this guy give you? He's yeah. thirty nine. He's thirty nine years old. Thirty nine. Like we're we're getting close to Tom Brady time. Um, he's on. He's under contract until this the end of this year. This could this be his last go around too? Um, I could see it. I mean, do you want to? Is he going to be or is he going to be one of those guys that plays all the way up into his forties? I don't know. 
but um I, I'd say that. I'd also, you know, I'm kind of interested to see that, you know, Duchesne, Sagan. That's kind of an X factor line for me. That Sagan, Duchesne, Marchment. What kind of production can they give you? Because really, you look, I mean, Duchesne had 56 points last year, Sagan 50, Marchment 31. If you could get that same production or more from that line, you're going to be feeling pretty good about yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And my money is on that line to produce more. Sorry, Phil, were you going to jump in there? No, I was going to ask you what you thought. Hey, perfect. Uh, smooth transition as always, boys. Uh, no, that line, I, I think last season there were some outliers there that kind of brought those guys down. Mason Marchment, it took him a long time to get going in Dallas, man. He, he had a couple long, long slumps. I don't see that happening. I think he'll be more consistent in the second year with this team. Matt Duchesne. I have loved this player ever since he was back in Colorado. He he's never he's never really the guy that you're like rah rah like fire up the locker room, you know, he's laying his face in front of pucks, but he doesn't have to be on a team like this. He doesn't have to be the emotional soul leader, you know, lead by example in your own end. They need depth scoring to keep up with teams like Colorado who fix their depth, teams like Vegas, teams like Edmonton in the West. It's Dallas with Duchesne playing with Sagan there. I really, really love that as a depth trio with Marchman on that third spot. Matt Duchesne, I I'm calling 35 goals minimum for him this year. He's gonna have a lot of defensive responsibility taken off of him now that he's not at center anymore and trying to drag every drop of offense he can out of Nashville. He's a support scorer, and I think he is going to light it up because he's not going to be faced with those top pairing demon like he was one of the only threats on Nashville. Now he can kind of hide lower in the lineup and then just catch you when you're not paying attention. I am expecting big things out of him. And again, he's in a country music market. Yeah, he got to stay in his country music market, 100%. Yeah, so he's your X Factor then, and you think he's going to... And he's going to absolutely pop off. All right. Yeah. A couple Uh, years ago, man, he he was right there too. He had, what, 40 goals two years ago for Nashville? So, I mean, it's not out of the question at all. I have gone with Mason Marchment. I've seen a lot of uh, talk on, on Twitter and other platforms about him in Dallas. He had 31 points last year in 68 games. I think Mason Marchment is going to benefit heavily from that line as well, just on the opposite side. I think Duchesne, you know, Dutchie will find him, Sagan will find him, and it'll free him up to be that 20-goal guy, you know, 20-goal, maybe 50-point guy on that team, second power play unit, stuff like that. Um, I think that's where his ceiling goes. And I think March was going to be a guy that really steps up this year for Dallas. Um, my last question to you guys, and I have, and I'll just come out and say it, I have Dallas finishing second in this division. And I think we're probably all on similar pages here, unless someone has them winning it. Uh, I have them finishing second. Nate, where do you have them? I, I also have them second. I, I think they, they did some good, you know, they did some good, you know, adding Duchesne and adding, you know, well, really, you know, Duchesne, um, you know, that was a nice addition. He really didn't lose a lot from the subtractions. So um, my big, my biggest thing, this team, this team has to, if they, if they're going to do anything in the playoffs this year, you have to go out and get, a 
backup tendy or a good second tender for the yes. playoffs. Yes. Because you cannot be riding into the fucking playoffs with Scott Wedgwood as your number two. That is not the answer, man. It is just simply not. And I, I agree with that even beyond the playoff implications because Jake Otten. Oh, yeah, really, you just, yeah, you just need it. You need it ASAP. You, you, you need, need it ASAP. You need him to be able to have a regular starter's workload, which is like mid to high 50 games in today's NHL. Jake Ottinger. If I'm Dallas, if I'm Dallas, I would, if I'm Dallas, I would have gone out and made the gamble on Laurent Brassois. Like fuck it, like yeah. Yeah. What do you have? What What do you have to lose there? That's better than Scott Wedgwood. You just need a guy who can give Jake Ottinger a few nights off. Like that's the thing. We saw him wear down and break last year in the playoffs. He he's an elite, awesome goalie, but they just rode him too hard through the season. They they put too many miles on him. They need him fresh and ready to go and be his elite self once the playoffs start. And to do that, you need a backup who you can rely upon to win games. So, like, just get somebody to give this guy a break, please. I mean, and, and they don't – and the only other guy that they – they have Matt Murray and Remy Poirier, Poirier on their fucking roster. Like, that's their – that, the yeah, And not even the a Matt Murray Matt. that we <laughs> – you think? Yeah, about. not the Matt Murray that we're, t- that we're all familiar with. This is just yeah. – yeah, just some other Matt Murray. So, yeah, you really have no other – you have nobody else on the roster that could even – come up so yeah you've got to go out and get somebody to help ottinger if you want to do anything in the playoffs or really like this season because you're you're almost looking at a um fuck um tampa help me out here i'm, I'm blanking vasilevsky yeah you're almost looking at a little bit of a vasilevsky situation like are you going to really play this guy fucking 72 games in it like 70 65 games in a season and Vazzy's out eight to ten weeks right now, so you know. I mean, it it, it catches up with everybody eventually. Yeah, Tampa so. got caught with their pants down on that one. I Tampa yeah. and Dallas are two teams I see looking at waiver wires here as training camps end because you do have some yeah. teams with three goaltenders on the roster that can play serviceable minutes in the NHL, and they're going to have to find one to send down. So I, I yeah. see those two as waiver hawks here as uh, absolutely, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, Dallas definitely cup contenders. Uh, we have them finishing second in the Central, so I would have them first the- if Colorado wasn't there. I think they're the maybe second, at least third best team in the league. I think they're oh, yeah. insanely good. If Colorado was on a revenge tour, I would have them. First. I don't know if I have them that high. I I have them. I have them like a top six. Definitely top right. six. I. And, oh, yeah. and the top six are all pretty tight. Like, I, I could see him finishing there. I just think – I love this Dallas team. I just think they're roadblocked by – They've got – like, they, they're Colorado. just they're, – they're able to pump – they're able to pump goals on you, man. They've got that – they've got that ability. Like, and, and adding Duchesne in really helps in that being able to fucking pump goals on people. So They're just so yeah, good. They're stuck behind the team that last year won the Central with 109 points. Sixth in the NHL overall. Uh, disappointing end of their season as they got knocked out uh, by the Seattle Kraken. But they added the Colorado Avalanche. Went out and added Ryan Johansson, Ross Colton, Jonathan Druin, and Miles Wood. They lost Alex Newhook, JT Comfort, Eric Johnson, Evan Rodriguez, Matt Nieto, Lars Eller, Dennis Malgin, and Keith Kinnade. 
Keith Kincaid, Dennis Morgan. Okay, there you go. I said Kincaid because I missed the K because he's kinky. Keith Kincaid. Yeah, I fucked that up. Um, It's been a long day, boys. I've been working for 14 hours now. Um, uh, Yeah. Um, The Avs, I mean, despite what they lost, let's be honest, this team just got exponentially better. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They the additions were. I mean, you have a you have a brand new third line. Yeah, you, you have, have you have a you have a brand new third line like that is, and it's Miles Wood and Ross Colton. I like that a lot. There's there's sandpaper and they're scoring there. You have a second line center now too. By the way, boys, you're not plug and play and fucking tweener bottom six guys trying to mm-hmm. give someone behind Nathan McKinnon. Evan Rodriguez, Alex Newhook, JT Comfort. It was a carousel of fucking disappointment trying to replace Nazem Kadri. And that's why they bowed out to Seattle. That's 100% why. That's that hole. And that was their hole before they got Kadri. That's why they could never make it past the second round before then. They get Kadri on just a light him up year, and he actually made it through the playoffs without getting suspended for once. Look what happened. And now... They found a guy in Ryan Johansson who doesn't quite have the sandpaper that Kadri did. But he when he is on and like trying hard, that's the only concern with him throughout his career. He takes games and shifts off. He's not going to be doing that under Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon is going to be in there tearing him a new one if he sees him dogging it. And I think he's going to get the most out of this guy. We're going to see awesome seasons from both of these people because this whole team is pissed off about how last season ended. And I would not want to touch them with a ten football. They are they are going to be on a revenge tour of all time this year. I, I one thing that I I'm not understanding, and I'm seeing this on both on two different from two different sources. I, I'm not understanding the Jonathan Druin on that top line. Like I I think I'd prefer to see Arturi Lekkinen on that top line with McKinnon and Rantanen. That's just me. I think it's about giving a guy a chance who showed offensive elite talent in the past, but really struggled on some not-so-great teams. Tampa, he was absolutely buried in that lineup. Montreal, they were not good, and he had a lot of injury issues, and the media was super hard on him. Colorado, he's flying a little below the radar. He's got the most talented line mates he's ever had, and he's been like a finesse, skill, finish kind of guy. I think he's going to have every opportunity to be good, and I would love to see him succeed. And if it doesn't work out, you just bump him down and bring everybody up to fill in those slots, and Lekkonen goes back up there. But I like the idea of giving him a shot with some talent at first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I mean, why not? If if that's – sure, give him a chance. But um, I could see that kind of – I could see that switching up. And even then, even if you do drop him down – you're still putting him with some talented guys in Ryan Johansson and Valeri Nishushkin. Um, so, and even if yeah. he drops down to the third line, dude, Ross Colton, Stanley Cup champion with Tampa, Thomas Tatar, really high-skilled guy. I can't believe how long he lasted in free agency. Like, mm-hmm. this is a this is the deepest Colorado team I've seen in a minute, bro. Yeah, I, and I love the I love the Samuel Gerard edition as well. I, I think that's also one that kind of flies under the radar. Yeah, keeping him in there. He's I you know, love. Go ahead, Phil. No, finish. I, I apologize. I, I was just gonna say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He said addition, but yeah, I said addition, but yeah, you know what I meant. Yeah, I I don't think he'll they'll be able to keep him forever. Like 
I can't remember when his contract's up, but like he's going to be too expensive probably on his next deal. But for now, having a guy like him on your third line, they've got him locked up. They've got him locked up till twenty twenty seven. Oh, did they extend him? I missed that. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, yeah, they extended him, so they've got him till twenty twenty seven. Locked up him and Makar both till twenty twenty seven. Byram till twenty five. And Josh Manson till 26. The sad thing there, though, is all those guys getting extensions means Devon Taves is out after this year. They cannot afford him, and he is he's very good. Yeah. 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 It's uh, not looking good for that. But Nate, I love that earlier you brought up the third line because the third line is my X factor. Like one line. Like Yeah, just like how I just like how I had Dallas' third line. Yeah. Their third line, I mean, Miles Wood, Ross Cold, and Tomas Tatar, that is ridiculous talent on a third line anywhere. Miles Wood is fast as fuck and will drop the gloves with anyone. And then you have two guys that, you know, you have Colton who's you know knows what it takes to win, along with a lot of, you know, a lot of the rest of the guys on the team. But, you know, this team is still going to be without Landis Cog again for another year. And they went out there and said, you know what, this sucks. He got his cup. It's time for us to get one or two more. And they are built to win the cup. I mean, top to bottom, this team is built to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and like my only concern with this team would be in goal, except they already won a Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper trading out with Franco's. Like, Franco's is injured, so if something happens to Grubauer, that might be a little bit of a concern. But, I mean, there, there's enough goalies out there they can go get somebody. It's they they could have me in net and still fucking advance to the second round of the playoffs with the. I vote Jeff Zaboda. Yeah. Sign Jeff Zaboda. But what's gonna happen then when I need a sub for my beer league? Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, I mean, hey, you're, you're gonna be going from beer league in, in Newark, Ohio, to you know the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what what a story! Only gets peppered. Only gets peppered with 18 shots. Uh, boys, we all have them finishing first to the Central. That's not a secret. Um, X-Factors, is there anything else we need to go over? Because I think we just gave them a very nice slurp job. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything we need to touch on there. <laughs> yep. uh, we are we are all very high in the abs. And the reason that we kind of spent more time, on, in my opinion, on some of the middle teams and younger teams in this division it's because we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that during the season. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Colorado Avalanche during the season. I mean, they're going to play on you know prime time all the time. The beauty of where we live is, you know, for all three of us though, is that we can watch them on ESPN Plus whenever we want, which is nice. Absolutely, it's one of my favorite things about living out of market. Is you know we can watch all of these games anytime we want, and yeah, I definitely think Colorado's a team that's going to be competing for the Stanley Cup. They'll be there at the end and we'll see how they do when it comes down to playing teams uh, out of the Western or out of the Pacific division. Um, not let alone the winner of the, what we, what we project is the wild and the stars in round one. We get a little rematch of last year's first round series there. So uh, boys, do we have anything else? And let me see if we have any missed listener questions before we go. While you go through that, Phil, I do have one little thing I want to sprinkle out there. Nathan McKinnon yeah. Hart Trophy. I he right now he is like I I think he's what like nine to one, ten to one, depending on your sports book of choice. This guy is so angry, dude. He is going to oh. tear up the league. 
and I I think he is gonna absolutely walk away. Like obviously McDavid's always a candidate. It's McDavid's to lose every year, but I think McKinnon he finally gets his heart. I think he gets his heart this year. Should we all throw in and make it a egregious bet on the odds? Yeah. Oh, I already put my mortgage on it, bro. It's it's over. There you go. There you go. And um, you said we weren't going to talk about the bad teams during the season. Expect the daily dose of Coyotes talk every fucking week when they go out and rip up the league, boys. I'm I'm, I'm high on the Coyotes, hey, and I'm, I'm forcing not, them into the outline not, every week. I'm not saying we won't talk about it. I'm saying we're going to get it out now because, you know. I'm, I am going to make you guys never want to hear about Arizona hockey again. I'm so excited. I don't know. Paul Bissonnette's done a pretty good job of that over the years, and we still listen. So. Yeah, but they're going to be good for once now. Uh, the only other listener question we had is Pavel Bulldozer Lubansky at Pavel Lubansky on Hell Twitter name. asks, my question is how badly will Ottawa dominate these teams? Uh, uh, they, they can dominate the bottom five, but they're not going to dominate the top three. Yeah, I mean, the, it's going to be pretty ugly for two games out of the year when they play these bottom couple teams. I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be a limited limited deal. They don't play that often, but they're they're going to make it pretty ugly here for a couple of them. Yeah, Ottawa's going to look good, and then uh, you know depends how they look, you know, on the road. And they're going to that's need, always the challenge to also because that's a competitive fucking Atlantic over there, boys. Yep, absolutely. It is. So. Yeah, I left it. I, I have no final thoughts. I left it all out on the line in that place. No, no, we, yes. We've been on for a while now, so no, I don't either. So that'll wrap up this episode of the Beerly Hockey Podcast for Nathan Perkins-Pride and Aaron Kenny. I'm Phil Razor saying, Beerly Hockey. Pair as well with Bruce. Hell of a broadcast.